Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons and others from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. Uh, as a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Trust me on this one. And uh, make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level to interact with us. We're doing a long show tonight, so if you want to leave some comments live on Facebook or YouTube land, love seeing you there. The chats are always fun. And remember, your chats might show up on the show. And if you can't catch us live, catch the replay or on your favorite podcasting app. So you know me, my name is John Ruark, and we have a lot of people to introduce tonight. So I'm just here to talk about servant leadership, Masonic leadership, and all of the other fun things that go with the difference between leadership and management. Next up, Jason Richards. Good evening and hello. Good evening, John. Jason Richards here, Past Master Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia. And I am here to talk about empathy and empathic leadership tonight. Ooh, is that like telepathic where you have to like predict what people are? Okay. Yes. Literally putting yourself in their shoes. Literally. If you've seen Super Mario Odyssey with, with Cappy, where it like yes. forces their soul out of them. That's, that's what we're talking about. Here. That, that's dark. Uh, let's see. Special guest for tonight. We have Darren, brother Darren. Good seeing you. And let's see, you have to unmute yourself there. I'm, I'm already go. screwing the show up. Well, it was a nice show we had. <laughs> we'll fix it. Uh, no, we won't. Th <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, first of all, congratulations on 10 years. Woo. And uh, just uh, a major accomplishment. So honored to be on tonight and uh, just blown away um, by the special already blown away. So just feel, feel really good uh, to be here. Thanks for having me and uh hope to give my expertise knowledge um on uh leadership and and leadership training so yeah awesome you've been around the block or two so that's good what, what I, I, have. I, I have been you know 10 years is a long time and uh we've we've had we've had quite a few winners and losers uh that have hosted uh the masonic roundtable and uh just in, in, you know, you get to pick which one our next is. And that would be the one, the only <laughs> worshipful Nick Johnson. <laughs> He's back. Are my fans still here? Do I have them? Are, oh, oh, I love all of you. Uh, 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 yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, this is indeed Nick Johnson. I still live. I'm still a has-been, and I'm very happy to uh, uh, grace this wonderful program that's lasted 10 years. Uh, so proud of you guys. This is just, uh, I'll, I'll save those comments till the end, but uh, what a fantastic, fantastic podcast you guys do. Um, yeah, so I'm back, and I guess, you know, the you know, I, sh I should go with the usual, right? Uh, MillennialFreemason.com. Uh, I'm a professor nice. of Corinthian Lodge in Big Time Farmington, and uh, I don't know. I uh, guess the, the the main thought after looking through everything and of leadership and stuff is uh, guarding the East Gate. So that's kind of my thoughts on uh, what we need to start doing. So really happy to be here. Apparently, Jason's happy you're here too. That's oh, I love it. It's going to be such a good show. Awesome. And last for now, we're having 
We're having a couple of people come on later, but last for now is our favorite, Martinez in Manassas, Virginia, and that is Maribel, Maribel Martinez. Good seeing you on the show. Welcome, and what do you hope to contribute to tonight's conversation? Sure, I'm the favorite. Yes. Uh, I didn't stutter. We are, we are 100% sure you are the favorite Martinez. Well, I mean, I don't really know too much about Masonic leadership other than from what other Masons I know have told me. But I do hope to just reintroduce sort of like the most important things about leadership. And from my experience as a password advisor at Rainbow Girls and just my experience there and how it's kind of been, you know, like mixed, but hmm. I've just learned from what I've done. And I just think that there could be things that could be improved upon and maybe it could be applied to masonry. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. We need your help to make this place better. Fix it. No pressure. All right. <laughs> So, before we get into the details, yes, we are celebrating 10 years of a podcast. That's that's insane. It really is. And so, with that, we're going to give a special shout-out to the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome and rock my socks. So, uh, if, you, if you want 10 more years of this, go to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. If you, if you don't want 10 more years of this... Donate to patreon.com slash the Masonic Realm table. Or send us a super chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, you guys are amazing. Thank you for everything you do. Next up, what do we have, Jason? What's the, what's the usual clip that we play? Tarot card of the week. Dang, man, this is, this show is hot. <laughs> oh, um, good times. That was our least favorite Martinez singing yes. Zero Card of the Week. Yeah. Can't win them all. Nope. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. We are going to, let's see, focus on this bad boy. Let's get the technology working. So for, for tonight's show, we, we normally do one card. Um, of a draw, but we, we figured that since it's big 10th anniversary show, we're going to do a three card spread. And uh, what's the spread specifically going to be geared towards? Let's, let's do three cards for the past, the present, and the future of Masonic leadership. Heck yes. Right. Get out of my head. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. I'm doing probably my first tarot deck, which is the 8 bit tarot, even though. As Maribel noted in the green room, it, it does look more like a, a 16-bit color palette. We have the Empress as the past, the Nine of Wands, appropriate for the for the present. It's looking a little rough. And, oh, this is nice. The Ace of Coins for the oh, future. Yeah. All right. So when you put them all together, you have the the Feminine maternal aspect of the past nurturing right? uh, nurturing comfort uh, care uh, but uh, the, the nine too. of wands what's that jason growth too yes oh yeah and all the other details with uh 
Venus and pomegranates and all the other symbolism in there. If you really want to nerd out, <laughs> that's the past that gets us to the present. The nine of wands. Uh, you can see he is not a happy character. He is, he's holding steady. Um, he's battle weary, right? Yes. He's, he's worn. He's, uh, he's been roughed up a bit, but he's still standing still there. Not quite done the fight. Um, persistence, courage, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it so easy time. It has not been easy, but he's still in it to win it because that ends up with the future of Masonic leadership ending up with the Ace of Coins. So, or the Ace of Pentacles, right? We're talking about new beginnings, like uh, kind of a reset button, especially on material things. Um, so we're not talking spiritual things. So that's, that's an interesting aspect because we do, we are going to talk a lot about the, how do we deal with people? How do we deal? How do we interact in a more, uh, ground level grounding kind of way. And so that'd be good if we could just hit the reset button on that, do a better job of that. Well, and, and to John, like the idea of hitting a reset button around material things, like we're going to be talking a lot tonight about lodge business practices yeah, and lodge solvency dues. Dues. <laughs> the dues are too dang low. Dues. And, and so, you know, to me, I think this, this spread overall makes a lot of sense. We're coming from, you know, a past, you know, a patch past craft that was very nurturing, very, you know, romanticized cool. even. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. We're, we're in a state right now where we've, we've taken our lumps and we're, we're not quite sure what the future is going to hold. Um, and we're, we're, kind of at, you know, a bit of a crossroads as far as the organization is concerned, really. And then, you know, looking at, you know, to me, this gives me hope because moving from that crossroads to a new beginning, you know, that, that gives credence to the, you know, the, the refining, not dying, you know, mantra. That's almost as bad as to be one, ask one. I, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, everyone's a critic. Can't win them all, but I like it. It uh, that's a good summary, so I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, let's turn this thing around. Um, tonight we're gonna we're gonna do a nice long form because we have a lot to talk about. Jason, why don't you just kind of kick us off? Because th there's no place better to start than the beginning. So, um, so tonight, you know, we're gonna go as long as we've got content to talk about, or as long as our spouses let us. Um, and as we were going through, you know, all of the stuff that we wanted to, um, to, to talk about tonight, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, doing the, the three card spread. Yes. I see you on, uh, on, on the Leroy, um, Leroy Jenkins here, um, doing a three card spread, I think was, was very, uh, appropriate because we're going to start with kind of Freemasonry now. 
which is, you know, looking at kind of the, the leadership of the organization and some of the business practices in the past and the present that have gotten us to that state of, of the Nine of Wands before moving into, okay, Freemasonry's future. You know, how are we or are we not connecting with the Gen Z and the future Gen Alphas um, of, the, of the organization? And it all brings us back around at the end to, hey, are, we say a lot of really nice things in our ritual. We pat ourselves on the back that we're, you know, a, a society of learned men. Do we actually practice what we preach? How can we do that more with more consistently and be, be better going off into the future? And so that's, that's, those are the three big buckets of things we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, happy to, uh, to move into, you know, what, I, what I've called it is Freemasonry now, and it's getting worse. <laughs> Darren, that reminds me of that, the uh, Wilmshurst quote. Do you have that at the ready? Do you know which one I'm talking about? I don't. I don't know which one you're talking uh, about. That's the one that RJ loves to, to talk about. Basically, you know, we're not here to just teach, teach men about symbolism. Of, right. Of things that there's actually something more to it. It was quoted in one of these. Uh, well, let's talk about the Freemason, uh, Midnight Freemasons articles. Oh, that's really what inspired a lot of this. And you were the author of, of one of those. Yeah. So uh, what what got uh, you and RJ interested in I'll, stirring I, up these? I, I, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make this as PC as possible and, and uh, not identify any guilty parties, but, um, there was a, uh, a situation of, a certain member posting questions on the Grand Lodge of Illinois Facebook page, uh, regarding leadership and, and surveying, trying to survey the membership about leadership. And, um, I think with with the purpose or with the intent of taking that feedback and, and potentially maybe trying to create a uh, leadership program of their own to to you or to sell, I guess, to the to the Grand Lodge. So um, I think that kind of was the impetus. And just given other things that I'm sure RJ has informed you that are happening here in Illinois regarding Masonic education, uh, I, I think that um, it kind of RJ wrote the article that was the spark and got myself and others thinking. And, and then we just added to and uh, that's that's where we ended up. Well, and so where, where RJ really started, I think, was this, this idea around, you know, what are, what are we teaching our members, mm -hmm. by and large, from a, from a Grand Lodge perspective? And I think, you know, RJ's focus was, okay, you know, it seems like the Grand Lodge is kind of going whole hog into, like, leadership training, and overwhelmingly so at the expense of, you know, other educational opportunities that that dig deeper into, you know, some of the underlying 
you know, thematic uh, arcs within the organization, if that's PC enough. Mm, yeah, I, I guess you could you could say that. Um, I, I will just say that I, to my knowledge, and maybe RJ is has better purview than I do. Um, you know, there's not an organized leadership training per se. They do have an officer development training, which I guess you know it's semantics, uh, but from my understanding, uh, speaking with those who've taken the class, I've not taken the class, uh, just full disclosure there. Um, it is more just how to manage a lodge um, for members that um, are, you know, not um, familiar with management or have never been in a management position. So and increasingly don't want one, right, Darren? Well, I, I think uh, I think that's that's probably the case that we have. Um, we have a lot of membership that does not aspire to be leadership or ma management, I should say, because it's uh, leadership and managing are, are two different yeah. things. So um, I will say that that, you know, you have uh, increase of lodge membership that does not want to end up being uh, one of the, the dais officers. You know, they're fine kind of uh, sitting as a deacon or, or somebody that doesn't have a lot of um, responsibilities when it comes to the management of the lodge and, and making the day-to-day -day, uh, or, you know, not day-to-day, -day, but it, it, one would refer to in business as day-to-day -day decisions. So uh, I, you know, I think what that does twofold is that it puts uh, an onus on those that have been in those positions to keep cycling through them, which contributes to burnout. And then also, um, you know, uh, personally, what I've been thinking about from, you know, if, 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 Grand Lodges are wanting to have lodges ran as businesses, then, you know, should we be implementing lean processes and other things into those, into those, uh, into, into our philosophy and, and into our leadership? So, yeah. Well, you got me excited there. So let, let me double down on that. Before you, before you jump into that, Nick came off mute. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so yeah, I know, I know I'm going to break, I'm going to break the flow here, but you know, it's kind of interesting is that, you know, I was thinking about it. There's actually an old adage with, with organizations that an organization that is growing has no time for rules. Right. And an organization that's dying, that's all it has time for. Right. And so I've looked at the old, you know, the old minutes, the old, who was in charge of my lodge of everything like that. Even the grand lodge, of Minnesota. It was the same person year after year after year for many years. And it was because I think the lift is so much lower, right? I mean, if you're a leader in one of these, you know, lodges back in, I don't know, 1875 or whatever it is, you don't have to actually worry about, uh oh, am I turning in my annual report? Am I putting it into grand view? Am I doing this and that? And sometimes I wonder if that's that's kind of the issue is that We've <laughs> we've expected our leaders to come in, right? And that and and try and figure out this mountainous paperwork that they're already doing elsewhere, right? 
And instead of just like practicing masonry, it's like, you better have your ritual perfect. You better have this form filled out. Have you done your petition stuff with the secretary? Have you signed things? Have you paid the building? I mean, that's the thing is when we were starting out, we didn't have to worry about it that way. And I think in some respects, that was actually a better situation just because, you know, we, <laughs> we didn't put leadership was not managing a small business, right? It was literally yeah. managing a lodge, and that was it, you know? Yeah, so, and, oh, hello, it's me. Um, hello. Not, hi, everybody. Sorry, I'm, I'll be I'll be replacing my daughter momentarily. Um, but, no, I, I think... Um, Maribel can stay on. Well, okay. Um, so, I, I guess I will, I will depart after this comment. But, um, no, I think Nick touched on a lot of points that, that we need to... to get to but i think going back to darren's comments we're using well masonry in general uses the word leadership to talk about leadership which it really doesn't teach and the degrees don't teach that with administration and management and they're three separate constructs that from my perspective have kind of been getting lumped into one and we don't do any of them well so that's kind of where we're so we're, we're kind of stuck in, in the world that Nick is talking about now, right? It's like over-administration, um, a bureaucracy that cannot support itself, you know, across the board, and management that doesn't know how to manage, and people being called to lead that don't understand what that entails. So, yeah, it's like a three-pronged something, which I can't say on air, um, that just hits you all at once. I mean, if I could add something from my experience as being a Rainbow Girl, which is like an offshoot of masonry, um, part of like a Masonic body, um, I've had kind of had the opposite problem of where we have had some new members, but the main issue is the fact that we don't really do the things that we need to do. We don't prioritize these events that need to be done to bolster money for the things that we need to get done because it's a charity organization that's its main purpose and it's 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 another purpose is to get young girls ready for the real world and to be better with leadership and like life skills but the problem is that we now have these younger girls coming in and not really doing the stuff that they need to do. Of course, some of them do, but it's just more so the issue of the leadership being like not prioritizing those things that we need to do to get done and not doing the things that uphold what means to be a rainbow girl. So instead we just do like these fun little events, which are cool once in a while. Sure. But if you have events that we need to have and you replace them, with these events or even prioritize having these fun events, then it really just feels something more like a girl scouts more than something that can be linked to masonry. Like, what are we doing? Really? What are we doing? Are we selling girl scout cookies or are we trying to make young girls become responsible women? Like, what are we doing? What are, what are, if you don't mind, Maribel, what are some of those, things that uh, some of those 
you know, events and things that you'd like to see, you know, actually happen? Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot I could say, but I don't think I could, but I'd say like the biggest thing I'd want to see is especially like I'm seeing a lot of gen alpha people now because I'm considered Gen Z, which is just the thing before it, just barely though. But I just like to see a lot more structure. I just like to see a lot more like just feeling like you're in a sisterhood and not feeling like you're in a group just to gossip and just to go do some things once in a while. Love it. Yeah. And I just, it just feels more like a just, tea party more than just like a place where I feel like I'm part of a belonging. And that's an issue I've had for many years because of things that I've done or things that I haven't done, you know, like some of these things are out of my control and I just feel kind of isolated in a way that I can't really explain, but it's just, I just wish that we had more of that sisterhood connection just as Masons have brotherhoods and how they call themselves brothers. I don't feel like I can call myself a sister, and that's just kind of sad. Yeah, well, lots I, of head nods because yeah, I think I, all of us have had the same exact Masonic experience as well. She sounds Not like better over here. She sounds like a worn out past master. That's what she sounded like. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not too far off. I was worthy advisor like one two years ago. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. I think especially in the youth group. So I come from a long background of scouting. And so it's it's one of those that I, I think that was that was a, a lot of what leadership training looked like. Right. I mean, scouting is what it's what it's one very valuable thing that it does is that it's very good at, at making you understand what it is, what is in a task list and then getting it done. Right. I mean, it's like structure and it's, and it's great. And I think that would be absolutely something that fits like in, in rainbow girls or Joby's or D Malay. I know D Malay is very good about keeping their, you know, structure built into it. Right. And I think that's, that's absolutely correct. I, I think that, that you need to have a, an understanding with leadership with those who are managing whatever body it is that there are certain tasks that they're going to have to do. But again, you know, that's one of those that you have to like set those expectations early, right? Because if you don't, it's exactly what you're saying. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's just this idea of, of, um, you know, you just don't feel any kind of court esprit, any kind of like belonging, and it's because, you know, you're just kind of coming in and you're just and, there and you're just mm -hmm. there. And, you know, that's and, and if you're a leader, you know, it's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm having to manage process and people. And it's like, how do I balance that? How do I learn how to balance that? And that's that's a lot of what we struggle with. I mean, even now. And I absolutely agree with the articles, too, that, you know, I don't think that. That masonry in and of itself should be a leadership training device. You know, it was interesting as back years ago, um, the York Rite constantly is pushing this, or at least they did for a while, this York Rite leadership training. And they would constantly encourage me to come out. You should come to this. I never did because, well, it was in Sioux Falls. Yeah, they, they still, still are. are. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, they would yeah. constantly tell me to go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I love Sioux Falls. It's it's fine. It's okay. So, um, but, yeah. Just to, just to chime in on that, because Nick opened up a Pandora's box there when we're talking about leadership training in Masonic bodies, and I'm not going to get specific, but um, I attended some leadership training. Um, and, and you guys know me. I, I was in the Army for a few years, and then I spent a good 15-plus years in the business You need world. to get your monies back, Joe. Dude, let me tell you. So, <laughs> but it was interesting. I was super jazzed when I heard about this leadership program that a certain large body of masonry does and then they started offering it online i think uh, right after covid so i was like cool yeah i'll spend a saturday and, and do some leadership training and stuff and i gotta tell you i was and i paid money for it i was uber disappointed because i was and, and john's head's gonna explode when he hears this they were covering books and concepts and leadership ideas that kind of started to go out of style in the 1980s. Like, this is not what businesses teach anymore, like for the past 30 years. And I'm like, why are we, why are we talking about this? The modern world doesn't talk about this. And that was an entire Saturday for me. Oh man. You know, see, so, so what you're telling me is a very smart idea that I didn't visit the uh, beautiful state of South Dakota. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is like, I, I, you are absolutely right because it sounded like every time someone would describe that particular training to me for the York right side, it was constantly a, um, well we use, and then they would, I, you know, I, I can't remember the titles of the books, but they were very old. I mean, they were the, the level of books that you just, you, you find over in like a bargain bin of like yeah. a, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a, a goodwill, but like not a good goodwill, but like that one that's kind of in the sketchy part of town, that goodwill. So it's, it, yeah, that one, it's like, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't necessarily have, you know, I, I, I understand what they're trying to do. Right. But I think the, the other misconception that we have is sometimes we have this, this idea that we have too many, we don't have enough leaders, right? And sometimes it's like, well, we do have, we, we have so many bodies, right? But the bodies require leaders, but they actually, there's so many of them, but there's so few people that are actually going right. to serve. So but they're, based, yeah. they're based on an out of date paradigm that we'll never revisit. No. Yeah. No. Well, so no. again, I think this is, this is a really good point for me to jump in. Cause I've been champing at the bit for this because you guys have been dancing around the separation between management and leadership, right? And I like even the the extra thing that uh, Darren added in with um, administrative as well, right? Because there's a huge difference. Just because you are in a position of authority does not make you a leader. Let me say that again. Just because you are an officer of a lodge or higher you are that does not immediately make you a leader and so i i it is one of my pet peeves when someone says oh we have to follow listen to our leaders I'm like no, no 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 you don't get the get, you don't earn that title right that's like another little pet peeve right you don't you have to earn the title worshipful that is an honorable title right and so you shouldn't be calling yourself worshipful and you shouldn't be just throwing that that around right but and you shouldn't be expecting to be called yes, worshipful. exactly Absolutely. So management is actually the responsibility, the person who has the authority to execute the tasks, to make sure that, that, you know, 
bills are being paid, right? That it makes sure that the lodge is functioning and operating, right? You can manage that and still be a horrible leader and vice versa. You can also be a great leader and not have any management role whatsoever. And that's one of my earliest leadership trainings was like, you know, you can lead from right where you are. Even if you are the youngest Mason in the lodge, right? If, if you're like, Hey, I'm really good at this thing. And I think I can help the, the lodge grow because of this go for it like lead from where you are you do not need to have a collar around your neck or a different colored apron in order to be a leader so but when we but uh, jason sometimes it feels like especially in a lot of our grand jurisdictions that you have to have a right. collar around your neck for anyone else so, in leadership to take and, you seriously so, and so i think this is another thing i was alluded to in uh, one of the Midnight Freemasons articles, which was implied about rank. And so if you think about the military, rank equals leadership, right? You must follow orders. And you have to do it for safety, right? So people, or else people are going to die, right? So that is an, an absolute reason to follow because I said so, not because you want to. But we're in a volunteer organization where lives are not necessarily on the line. And so you can't just say, well, I'm the master. You have to do what I say. You know, maybe within within the uh, uh, confines of the, the lodge, yes, you know, by by paper, but that doesn't make people want to follow you as a leader. Yeah. Absolutely, right? you, you know, and it's you know it. So, so I should tell you, kind of the newest educational tool that I've been using, right, has been going back to the Aesop's fables, right? And, you know, the thing that I've noticed is with like the leadership that we have, right? Is, you know, well, I'll use the story first and then I'll kind of explain it in the moral, but you know, it's, it's called the ass and the lion's skin. So essentially an ass is walking through a jungle or, you know, through the, through the mountains, sees the skin of a lion that had been killed right by a hunter so he puts it on himself and he's just laughing to himself and he he sneaks around and every time he sees an animal he scares it right because he's he's a lion now right boo you know boo i'm scaring you right well you know all the animals are running because they all think he's the lion and then you know all of a sudden he finally gets to the fox and he scares the fox and the fox is running away just like all the other animals but the the ass starts laughing, right? He's like, <laughs> well, the fox immediately turned around and said, if you'd kept your mouth shut, you might've frightened me too, but you gave yourself away with that silly bray. And so the moral of it is you can put a guy in fancy collars and wonderful aprons, but an ass is still an ass. And I think that's the issue, you know, <laughs> sometimes we have to like, I mean, you know, and that's, that's kind of where it's at, right? Is, is we, we, we don't, we, we worry about the West gate. And so I'm kind of, kind of been thinking about it this way is that we protect the West gate, but so many times once we're in a lodge, we don't protect the East gate, right? We don't protect the East. And it's one of those that will, will promote people through that really don't have a a reason to be put through right because well their their attitudes are terrible right their 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 way in which they function with others is terrible they're really only there to be a pin cushion right they're looking for the next past blank that they can put on on their coat and 
I think that's that's kind of the thing is that we have to be very picky with our leaders. And especially just like I was saying previously, my own lodge had the same worshipful master for like 20 years. People didn't care if they were going to be made master in that lodge because really they, they were in the frontier. They didn't have time. They were farming or, you know, doing something else, working with the railroad. Defending so, the Alamo, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of in Minnesota. I don't know. You know, it's kind of a weird state. But uh, uh, yeah, and it's so it's, it's just kind of funny that way is, uh, you know, we, we really do kind of forget that a lodge needs to have a vetting process for the leadership because you know i've been through i mean all of us have right we've watched groups that we've been in that elect people that look like me foolishly and they put us in leadership because they're like well he's alive so let's do it right and you know the person (laughs) shows up well i did show up to every meeting so i will give myself that but you know a lot of them will just disappear or not be there and you know the expectation was at the beginning of the year but nothing else right and that's that's really what we have to do is just be picky i mean if we're going to be picky on one side of the lodge we ought to be picky on the other side well, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of sadness, right? Because you've got, just like that post we just we just showed, you've got lodges that can barely open a door, right? So they have to pick from what they have. And you've got lodges, and I heard you guys talking about it while, uh, while I was coming down here, was, you know, we've got people, and we have a past grant master who just made that joke um, right here on the chat that, you know, at some point in time, you're going to run out of, room on your signature block, right? For all the titles and lapel pins and, and tchotchkes and swords that you collect, right? Yeah, I said swords, man. Um, <laughs> but um, throwback. it's it's not consistent across the board, right? You've got some lodges, and we've talked about this before. You've got some lodges that should probably, you know, restructure or go away or, you know, just should not bother keeping the lights on anymore. And then you've got other lodges that are just, again, they're just revolving doors of people collecting lapel pins. Um, I think, Joe, the the greater part of of your argument that you just started to get into is that one of my one of my concerns, one of my great concerns, especially with our, our current leadership, is what I see as an unwillingness to address the future and and look at data and statistics and for example, and in, in the example that you brought up, where you have lodges that can barely open the doors, you know, it, it, I'll, uh, here in Illinois, I'm a member of two lodges that are within five miles of each other, and they're row lodges. And then there's another lodge; it's another five miles down that I used to be a member of. But I know at some point these lodges just have to merge. So. Uh, you know, I've been urging, why aren't we having the hard conversation right now and say to ourselves, look, it's not, we may be able to open now and we may be able to confer a, a degree with some help, but um, guys are aging out. You know, when our average age is six in the mid 60s, um, we, our generation, my generation, you guys, uh, you know, and in, in millennial and Gen Z, um, we need to start sounding the alarm bell and say, look, we need to start looking at 
at the data and saying, okay, X, Y, and Z can consolidate. That'll be a good lodge. Um, a, B, and C can consolidate. That'll be a good lodge. But we need to start looking at the, at the picture and, and, and saying, and being honest with ourselves and, and saying, look, where we are, I know people, there's the phrase people like to say, we're not uh, reducing, we're refining some, something along those, those lines, which uh, I hope is true. Uh, but right now, we need to really look at the future and start holding our leadership accountable to start planning for an inevitability. So, I mean, you, you kind of, you kind of answered your own question there, right? To, to, and I think we just ruined this long form show because here's the answer. Yeah. Um, well, good night, everybody. Go we'll have a beer. Bye. So, you know, you, you answered your own question there, right? We're, we're talking about good, bad, or indifferent. We're talking about a generation of leaders, leaders in masonry across the board that came in and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that came in during a time of plenty. Right. So they came in during a time of membership is falling out the doors because there's so many people joining and you had the big social experience and the appendant bodies were losing their minds with people. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have enough, you know, Royal Archmasons and Shriners and Grotto members and, and all this stuff. Right. That's the amazing. Hey, I found these ancient degrees. Yes. And I'm just going to my handwriting. Yeah. But they're just gonna, <laughs> so you have these leaders that came in during this time of plenty. Right. And now they're trying to manage an organization with those same goals in mind, right? When to your point, and you know, it sounds kitschy, but you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the, we're not dying, we're refining. But the people that are bothered by that comment are the people that want their Freemasonry the way that it looked 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, right? They're not going to be okay with what Freemasonry is going to look like. And where we're 16 years, right? 2040 comes when the inevitable comes where to your point, these decisions are already pretty much we're at the point where they're already taken out of their hands, right? Freemasonry is going to look way different than it did. When I joined and John joined and Nick joined. It's going to look very, very different. And I think we have a group of people now, unfortunately, that that change is not going to be a, a pleasant one. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, and you know, so I can tell you because I have experience now being within two different fraternal organizations, right? So I'm now currently a third degree odd fellow as well. And the interesting thing with how their membership numbers doing. Well, that's just it. I mean, it's tough because (laughs) I've I've been saying this for a few years now is that odd fellowship is essentially where masonry will be 30 years from now. It's exactly the same because, and I, the only, the only difference that I think has been really done well in odd fellowship is the way in which their leadership is done. But other than that, there will be changes to this organization that will look almost identical to what odd fellowship is dealing with right now. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I might even just say it, you know, odd fellowship invited women in, in 20, uh, 2003 or four, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm not saying it will happen. So don't go after me, whoever. I'm sure some people. Um, Clandestine. I wouldn't be surprised, right? If there's some small Grand Lodge somewhere that has now 
the the magic number of like 900 right and they'll sit there and say there's nothing left for us to do except for either sweep up the floor as we close the store right or we actually do something different and so that's just it is like we're not planning for this future in any respect i mean it's it's like we have opportunities i mean thankfully in minnesota we have now a hired position that looks for like membership you know there's a membership coordinator and it's and it's a position that's with the grand lodge that's not it I, i'm not sure if it's paid I, maybe it is but you know it's it's a very dedicated role it's a full-time position um but that being said you know the local lodges we're going to need to have something different done and something different done soon because <laughs> you know, unlike UGLE, um, that is fortunate to be in a smaller, compact area. So many of, of the lodges in the United States are, you know, two hour drives from each other. Well, at some point, people won't do that anymore. And so, I mean, it'll be the, the classic case of leaders without anyone underneath them, right? Which is really just nothing. Oh, so it's a membership problem. So if we just get more people oh, in the no. door, do more one-day classes, yeah, uh, just pump those numbers. Those are rookie numbers. Maybe pump those up. Got that right? No, just kidding. Right, uh, right Darren, Darren, that's yes, that's the yes. The the uh, <laughs> kudos. You you know the uh, the title of my article is that we have a membership problem that's caused our leadership problem, which is absolutely true because we have. Um, I'll say membership is also, for the most part, complicit in what's going on right now. Yes. Um, because we elect our leadership. We're a democracy or semi-democracy, um, but we elect our hey. leadership. And we, have, hey. and, we have, and we have the ability we're, we're to... democracy in as much as Russia was a democracy. Well, in uh, yes, I, I mean, I'm just saying that uh, we have the we have the ability to run from the floor in most jurisdictions or run alternate candidates to the current progressive line that that exists in in Grand Lodges. Um, and I think we saw in Texas different reason for them doing so. But, um, you know, the power of membership united when they have their mindset on on getting rid of leadership that is ineffective or in in their case, corrupt as well. So. But and, and you know, Oscar brings up a, a really good point. Glad you're on with us tonight, Oscar. You know, the idea that the masses are okay with the status quo. Well, if yep. you look, if you Nothing's look at changing, the, well, right. if you look at the median age for for Masonic membership in the '60s, of course, because that's that's those are the the members who, by and large, have have tasted the you know the grand years of of Freemasonry and are still you know looking for that. I mean, well, if you if you, you read the white. There. I was going to say, if you read Dwight Smith, I mean, in 1963, he's complaining about the same things we're complaining about right now. So nothing has changed in <laughs> 60 years. Absolutely nothing has changed. The window slid. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, because we have currently we have leadership 
and have had leadership that just wants to kick the can. Let's, let's, let's kick the, and, and hey, change is hard, man. Like we, we change is different. Change. I like, I'd rather take the, what do they say? The, the devil I know than the devil I don't know. So we can just ride this thing out. Like, trust me, the numbers yeah, are not falling. We can just right. ride this thing yes. out and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and if we just guilt trip more people into joining our organization. <laughs> I haven't seen you in lodge lately, Jason. Uh, you know, yeah. we got it. I got a chair you could fill if you, if you got some spare time. Yeah, you learn leadership. That's what masonry is teaching leadership. We've done it full circle, guys. This is it. Um, I mean, we've done it. Really, we solved the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So hard but, uh, you know, that's, you know, and it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, well, and I wrote an article many years ago and it was, it was one of those articles that got me a lot of flack because I essentially said, we need to have an elitist mindset for Freemasonry, because for the most part, what, what are we offering? Right. I mean, there is a certain level of, we need to meet on the level. Right. But there's also a certain point in which if you're somebody who is already probably management level or leader level, are you going to spend your time at a lodge if all they do is nothing? No, no. they're going to they're gonna get paid, man. They're going to do it for something else. They're going to do it because they're really into the, the large charitable organization that they're helping run as a volunteer. You know, they're going to help an immigration fund or something like that. But they're not going to do like just, hey, I'm so glad I can work in this this community organization that literally just came in for 30 minutes and we're out because the membership that we're picking here doesn't really do anything right i mean what's the point then i mean you can have a bunch of leaders but they don't do anything right i mean i don't know i, well, I we need to offer something i think uh i think you know to your point nick and and somebody pointed out in in the chat you know leaders are great but what are we leading towards and i think mm. that's that's also an issue with with current leadership is that there seems to be uh, no strategic plan whatsoever. I'm leading to the end of my year in the Grand East. That's uh, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I. I. What. What. Yeah. Um, what do you know? What. What is our. What is our our goal what is our what is our plan for the next five ten years you know more we, members we, more yeah. the okay. more so we, we we know we know that that membership is going to continue trending downward uh, we have the data we, the data has been there for many years john you do a you, you do a wonderful presentation about this um so we have the data so let's again let's look ourselves in the mirror and let's start making decisions and choices regarding what the future is going to look like because i mean let's face it guys we have we belong to organizations as all the appended bodies as well that are massive bureaucracies that need to be streamlined they need to be streamlined but if they're streamlined, Darren, then nobody will get the shiny gold thingy to hang on their coat or 
And that's that's the heart of the issue, Joe. Right. Uh, and I'm not being glib either. Right. Like, no, literally, no. I, you know, I'm going to sit in. I'm going to get in this line for nine years to get this thing so that I can go be a grumpy bastard, you know, sitting on the sideline. You're you're absolutely correct. And that's why, uh, you know, we need leadership that are servant leaders, not leadership that are title chasers. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, what? I, can, I can tell you that one of the most enjoyable experiences I ever had in masonry was going through the Royal Order of Scotland. And the reason is, you, is got that you, you well, that too. I mean, let me tell you, that sword was extremely heavy. It, it, it was, it was actually causing soreness in both biceps, which is not very hard, but yeah. Anyway, it was the, the thing I love about the Royal order of Scotland is, you know, you'll never get in that leadership line and it's actually kind of great because then you're really just there to enjoy yourself. Right. And sometimes I think because we overemphasize that, hey, we're going to throw you in the line, it's seven-year commitment, but then you get this this nice apron that you get to walk around in and people have to call you a nice name, right? But I, I, I don't get as much enjoyment out of having the past whatever as I did during that Royal Order of Scotland conferral because I'm only there to experience the degree, to share in the fellowship, and go. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's beautiful. But, you know, and I think sometimes that's what it is, is that we, like, if you've ever been in the Royal Arch, right, it's, it's what, 12 slots that you have to go through until you get to the chair, unless you're in a struggling one. Yeah. I Or, yeah, so what you do, you do like I did, you become a Royal Arch Mason, and then three months later, become high priest. And then you get to skip all that. No big deal. So, right, because I said yes, right? So, so it's, it's that I'm there and I say yes mentality, but... Again, going all the way back to Darren's point, yeah. that does not a great leader make, right? Just because nope. you're present and you have a pulse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think Monica's hitting this right on the head because like, we do not want to do all this and grumble and just sound like we're complaining because we, you know, right. we actually have some ideas for this, right? We're not saying we're going to fix Freemasonry. We're not saying we have the answer either, but we, we can say when it comes to Masonic leadership, most, if not probably all of us in the room right now, have actually gone through, no kidding, actual personal leadership, growth, development, training, advocation, held those positions, right? So, you know, it's not something that we're just waxing poetic about. We, we've been there. We've done that. And now, like, how, will we, how would you change the structure in place? And I think, you know, just to start things off, I mean, Darren and RJ in their midnight Freemason articles actually, you know, basically say that, that this, uh, leadership training is really something that, you know, is, is not wholly unique to Freemasonry. Right, Darren. Right. Uh, leadership training, uh, uh, Freemasonry should not be, have a sole purpose of leadership training. And quite frankly, probably it should again, teach management, skills i believe that oh yeah you need to run the lodge you right? need to run the lodge right mm -hmm. but but back to your point john confusing management with leadership i think is what grand lodges tend to do and uh 
from a leadership standpoint, RJ's point was spot on that you can get leadership training from your business role or from other sources. Freemasonry shouldn't be in the business of leadership training. And if they want to have leadership training for their quote unquote leaders, managers, um, they should be getting firms from the outside that specialize in this. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Not, not try to roll their own. Um, Cause I, I mean, I've seen a few different jurisdictions try to have their own officer leadership training and, and it's 99% usually just the operations of the lodge, which isn't absolutely necessary. That's not what this is, what this show is talking about. And learn it's, your it's, it's lacking. Yes. It's not, not just the ritual either. Right. We're talking about actual leadership. How do you inspire? How do you grow people? How do you put yourself last? I mean, just many of the books on this bookshelf are about actual leadership principles and, and they're, and I didn't get them at the bad wheel store right outside of Nick Johnson's hometown. You know, we'll have to go there together. Cause let me tell you, there's some wild books there. Oh, I can't I wait to them. see. <laughs> they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I, I have to say, I think sometimes, sometimes, and we did discuss this before with the callers and everything else, but sometimes we really do overemphasize the leadership and underemphasize those that are in leadership that are not considered leaders, right? So in my lodge, we actually have an award called Mason of the Year. This award goes to anyone. I mean, it could be a past master, a, a regular member. For the most part, it's gone to regular members of the lodge. And the whole point of it is a recognition of leadership that they did. So we've had it given out to people who have redone our website, people who have done um, planned full uh, when we did like a polar plunge, things like that. And so, you know, it's an acknowledgement but it's not an, an acknowledgement of leadership without having to necessarily attach it to this obsession with pins. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what our problem is, right? It's the pin cushion mentality that everybody's got to have this, this P in front of their name, because I guess that makes you more special and, and wonderful when really we could recognize these guys now with all kinds of things. And, and really when you're doing it that way, the person who's the, the the mason who's doing that can then take on another role and another role and then finally maybe they're ready to progress to junior warden things like that but you know or I, yeah. maybe they're not and they never will be and that's okay right exactly. where you are exactly right. and I, I let me tell you i have a a, a a member of my lodge that has been doing fantastic work forever he has refused the line more than once because he doesn't have to i mean he he he's the only job he's ever taken the only office he's ever held was tyler for one year and he didn't and that's it that's and, and i was like so you literally want the job where you never come in it's like i don't care it doesn't matter because he really just wanted to do the rest of the work Sorry, I was eating a chicken nugget off camera. <laughs> I haven't eaten today. 
But what um, is going on? That sounds like a personal problem. That you why, just, so, yeah, so why, I was, I was why not on camera, Joe? Why because not that's rude. Camera? That's rude, and then everybody will want chicken nuggets. I've never stopped you before. So next person who does a super chat, I will send you chicken nuggets. But um, yeah, so anyway. Well, I think the Masonic Roundtable will not be liable for any foodborne illnesses uh, contracted by eating said male chicken nuggets. It's not real food, so you can't get a foodborne illness. No, <laughs> good. McDonald's, not a sponsor. So, anyway, um, going back to going back to Monica's point of like stop whining and provide solutions. I mean, I think that Nick said something really interesting in that you do have those brothers that, you know, we like to say labor in the quarries, right. And don't do it for fee or reward. And, mm. and they're stalwart and they're there and they're always there. Right. And to Nick's point, unfortunately, the system is designed to not really give a shit what they think, right. You've got a bro right. who's never been a past master. He has no acronyms or abbreviations at the end of his name. So in the system, his opinion means nothing. Right. It's like, oh, okay. why don't you get in a seat and, you know, sit in the east one year and then we'll care what you have to say. And that's kind of a system that's perpetuated across the board. Right. Like when you get to Grand Lodge and you go to vote on things and this kind of, oh, you're not a past master. Oh, okay. well, we don't care what you have to say. So the system has these kind of rules that you kind of have to live by. So those brothers that do labor in the quarries and and do it for for its sake alone, they're kind of ostracized. Right. So, you know, where's the reward there? There isn't one, really. <laughs> I mean, but but guys that you're describing, Joe, uh, they do it because I think, you know, they love Freemasonry and they're contributing and they're the way that they know how to contribute and they have no aspirations for anything else. And I think that's, uh, you know, I wish I could get back to that. Honestly. No, it's, it, no, it, it's funny. And, and go, again, going back to solutions, I mean, all I could think about, and if especially the guys that live near me, you, you tell me if you thought different. I mean, I was super excited to be, and I'm a Mason 19 years now to, to become master of my lodge. I was looking forward to it. I had it planned out for a long time. I had a goal. I had a mission and we achieved it. And then some, right. And then I got stuck there for another year. So and then all my magic happiness disappeared. But um, no, I think the we had a goal and it was an achievable goal. And that goal was to just do the best kind of masonry we could do. We didn't give a crap about this quota or this thing from the Grand Lodge or, hey, I need more members. It's like, no, we're just going to come every month and do masonry, mm -hmm. right? We're going to do the best degrees we ever did. We're going to have programs that just knock people's socks off and give people a reason to come. I didn't care if we met all the little Grand Lodge checkboxes and neither right. did anybody else in the room. You know, everybody yeah. was just and you guys were there. You know, we just had fun doing masonry. Well, you know? and I'll, I'll add to that, too. Um, so there's a big thing that everyone's encouraged to do in the Grand Lodge of Virginia, which is to get this Hillman Award. And it has a checklist of good good uh, you know actions to take that any lodge that takes a little bit of effort could probably get right and this is like go traveling have you know fraternal visits across other other uh, things present programs um be involved in youth group you know basic stuff right um my year was we were like it's our third year in existence and we were we were still trying to get our feet wet like literally finding where we were going to meet i did not put an emphasis in 
applying for the Hillman. And I had pressure from past masters of other lodges and, and they're like, Hey, you know, we got to get this. I said, why? Like, can we like focus on ourselves? And if we get all those things, then that will be great. And, and here's an example, like we are an academic lodge, right? So therefore youth groups are literally our, our brothers that are joining, right? These are young guys that are joining in college. What we don't need to have a youth group tied to us or have a big youth group event because the youth groups are barely younger than our members that are joining, right? So it made no sense to check that box in the in the name, the virtue signal signal of leadership or, or getting an award. That was not an incentive to us. And so I think part of the solution space here that, that we're talking about, and there's some really good stuff in the comments. What's the solution? It's like, well, maybe our incentive structure is broken, right? As, as Nick was saying, chasing lapel pins, chasing titles, chasing this. Like, what if we had a different incentive structure? Joe? I wouldn't even call it an incentive structure, right? Because right. an incentive structure dictates that if I do this, I will get this thing, mm -hmm. right? It's if I do this stuff and enough people notice me, then I will get this thing, right? And then, you know, the champagne falls from the ceiling and, you know, I get magic and I get a gold collar and, you know, then I can be a grumpy dude at the top, you know, in 30, 40 years. So it's not, it's not a, if this happens and this happens. So, I mean, it's basically like a reward system, right? Like, but again, what's, what's yeah. the end goal there? Are we going all right. the way so, back to what Darren was saying? Well, are we, are we working towards, the bureaucracy or are we working towards masonry right? so let me let me add to that and say incentives do not always have to be recognition or titles that recognition or the incentives can also be and, and daniel pink uh in his book drive it's a leadership book shocker uh talks about you know what what motivates people and it's he boils it down to three things autonomy mastery and purpose that's what that's what gets people to edit Wikipedia articles for free, right? That mm -hmm. gets people. That's what gets people to contribute to the Linux code base for free, because they have the autonomy, the flexibility to do the things they want. They want to do it because it's challenging, just just challenging enough that they wanted to get some some mastery of it. They might not get a gold card, but at least they can say they're working on it. And purpose, believing in why they're here and what the what they're motivating factor what's their inspirational factor of meeting so like i think if we made that autonomy mastery and purpose those three things incentivized over all the other cool things about masonry barbecues and hillman awards and supporting our youth groups still need those if we could just prioritize the autonomy mastery and purpose of our membership i think the rest will follow and will actually have some leadership instead of managers. That's my hypothesis. Well, and if you're able to coalesce the membership around a shared vision, mm -hmm. right? Getting getting back to that value proposition for masonry, which which I'd argue we have as an organization just don't have a grasp of. Um, right now um <clears throat> and uh you know there was a comment um maybe about 30 or so minutes ago talking about well this this seems like uh you know you all want to put forth a vision for masonry and a value proposition for masonry yes 
because being able to figure out why we're here and why we make sense and why we do what we do enables us to then attract the right people as opposed to just opening our nets wide and just trying to get more and more and more people because we still live in the fantasy land that, you know, masonry is this great thing that everybody wants to be a part of. Um, so it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be. Go so ahead. Yeah, or, oh, well, you know, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think one other option we could do is probably just take that Templar treasure that we know we all have, right? Yeah. And turn that into stock. Options. Seriously. Stock. Yeah. If you Somebody want to cut them off, stock. cut them off. Horizon stocks. Uh -oh. oh, we've yeah. lost Nick. Uh -oh. What happened? What, ha here? what happened? Uh, we need to. Gosh, these the, the timing on that was impeccable. Oh man, that yeah. Put it back on so I can have my chicken nuggets. Stock options. <laughs> oh, plastics. That joke is so old. My, so. Well, I I wanted to point out Alex uh, has a great question in the chat. Yeah, do you think recognition tiles would be bad if they were so not easy, so not so easily obtainable? Uh, I, if we learn to grow up here and tell brothers no or try again, I absolutely agree with that. I don't think that if we had standards and held to our standards, and oh, I'm going to get catch flack for this Freemasonry has standards. No, we don't, and and I think that goes back to to Nick's point of you know the West Gate. And now we have a situation, East Nick gate. was talking about guarding the East Gate as well, but we've let guys in through the West Gate that shouldn't be in in the first place, and they are in leadership positions, and that compounds the issue. Well, and so, so I'll take a little bit of a different approach on that, Darren, because like a lot of what we're trying to work toward in, in Freemasonry is, you know, altruism, you know, getting ourselves better, bettering our, our fellow Mason and, and the world around us. I, I am not advocating for the, you know, abolishment of all titles, but you run the risk when you make, titles you know very very specific you run the risk of it you know exacerbating the ego show right and I, I don't have i don't have a good well you know a solution so, for that so let me let me throw this out just since we're talking about uh, um you know a vision for Freemasonry, uh, you know, what our, our vision is. Uh, I think my vision is, is reality where we're going to have, you're going to see Grand Lodges absorb each other. You're going to see Grand Lodges that um, are stronger in numbers absorb those that are around them that are not as strong in numbers. And and so to the point of, of leadership, and and titles and and all that um you know again i think we need to start thinking about adopting somewhat of a lean philosophy when it comes to freemasonry and that we need to 
to limit or we need to rework the bureaucracy to be more effective because we're going to have less men to fill those bureaucratic positions than we have now. And we can't continue to we can't continue our same business model and expect it to to be even something that we can operate five years from now. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So uh, uh, to, to the point of, you know, titles leadership, I think some of this is unfortunately going to work itself out because I think we're going to see where the, it, we're going to see Grand Lodges just continue to kick the can and not do what needs to be done in terms of refining the structure, the superstructure, if you will, of, of their grand lodges and streamlining those. So there's going to come a point where yeah. the numbers are going to streamline for us. Yeah. I, th well, I think just to add to that before you jump in, Joe is like, what made me think of that is like, what is the operating system of masonry? Yeah. Right. And That's it was good. designed, the operating system was designed for, when we had our peak membership, mm. right? It was designed for large charities. It was designed for many people with many titles and many officer positions and many regional representatives. Like that structure, that operating system of masonry was there for a good reason at the time. And with, with the lower membership. It was the only and, game in town. Yeah. And it was, it served its purpose. Right. And it, while it's still standing today, we, we know that change has to happen. Um, and, you know, it, if you're not deliberately designing the next operating system, right, or you're, you're going from like Windows 3.1, you got to design for Windows 11, because it's like, it's going to happen whether you're ready or not. And uh, <clears throat> here we are. Joe. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's interesting is, is I, I challenge everyone to take a look at their grand lodges code at the beginning right and then take a look at it during its height it's a fascinating look because you will see the difference in how things are viewed and perhaps even give us strategies in which to think of the future i think that's that's really really what it's at i mean if the the constitution of minnesota i believe was six pages at when we started it was nothing 60 six 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 zero four hundred he said, said four hundred many and see i can count it i've been working on this it's been uh count this well hey you know the fourth uh, fourth grade was the best three years of my life but uh you know <laughs> it's one of those that uh um yeah I, it, it was so much simpler then and i know that there's, there's a time and place where things have changed right i mean if you look at the odd fellows I, again i'll take them as an example they suffered because the 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 system in which benefits were paid out uh, were absorbed by the government right for for a lot of things and you know so a lot of their their structure was built around that and there's a really good uh podcast called the three links cast that they actually discussed that that because they didn't shift it the death of the the actual organization or the dying, I guess, because it's still alive, was not because of their inability 
to have membership. It was their inability to change the structure that they had. And that's right. all they had to do. But yes. because the older members were getting a certain benefit that they still wanted to have, that structure disappeared and the younger members didn't have anything to have an advantage for and just left. And so essentially it, it, we're seeing that with the masonry, you know, I mean, it's, again, we haven't streamlined our processes. We actually make them more complicated. Some codes in this country are, <laughs> I think, oh, yeah. I think I saw one that's like 600 pages. You know, uh, it's, it's, the yeah. one, the one that just had a, a big tumultuous, uh, annual communication i think it's 900 pages long and that's ridiculous i yeah. mean seriously this isn't the united states of america's code i mean this is like yeah. an organization that literally if you get kicked out you're still alive there's no masonic death penalty you know it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is hilarious i don't understand you, don't you, know, and, you mean i can i can leave <laughs> what you get it no you ruined it for you and people do and live happy, happy lives. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here's another solution that comes to mind. I'm going to change gears for a second. Damn it. Is accountability. Mm. So to have yeah. leadership, you need to be in the right authority. You need to have to inspire rather than manage. But that also comes with, what do they say? With, with great power comes great responsibility. responsibility. And accountability is part of that right so what does that look like from a solution perspective um you know you can just go on hodap's blog and you can see all sorts of masonic trials that are going on or past grand this then past grand that that's that's having all sorts of issues not and just not just masonic trials i right. mean full-on right lawsuits affecting multiple grand jurisdictions. Yeah. yeah. And barring like extreme circumstances, those things that are still kind of on the, on, on the fringe, some of these guys come right back in. Right. And we're not holding ourselves as a fraternity accountable for some things. And we all have stories that we're not going to air on the air, but we know of things that have happened that are horrible things that Mason should never do. And not only does that get swept under the rug, but a lot of these guys get to remain as Masons and remain as active Masons. So uh, I'll, I'll name names. I'll address the situation here in Illinois. Um, no need. All right, fine. You can tell us about it. Without That's why RJ's not here tonight. Yeah, RJ's not here. That's why I, <laughs> so I can spill the tea. I'm not going to name names, but there's a situation where we have a member who has been reported by news networks as being a, a proud boy. And there's been no um comment from grand lodge there's been no action taken by grand lodge and um you know if 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 anything um we pretty much know that their philosophy is completely opposite of what masonic philosophy is right yeah those two those two things uh, should not be running a parallel there, there needs to be a choice made there but there's, I think, a fear in leadership. Um, I'm speaking on not my Grand Lodge, but on a grander scale. I think there's a fear of leadership, again, to, 
to rock that boat or, you know, up and the status quo, because, well, if he's a member of this group, who are they going to come after next? Well, and, and that's honest. Oh, sorry. I, I was at a grand communication number of years ago. Um, and uh, there were, there were two brethren who were, who were brought up who had been um, convicted of crimes against children. And the committee in charge of figuring out what to do with that decided in both of those cases not to expel those brethren. That's wrong. Right? That is wrong. Where's the accountability? Exactly. Got it. Need those dues, man. Need those dues. And french fries. The dues. Dude. I, I like how Joe will not eat chicken nuggets in front of us, but will eat fries in front of us. French fries are a portable food. French fries are, are more sensuous than chicken yeah. nuggets. Yeah, but I think so as well. I'm going to go back to when John eat comes those off, fries. And I'm going to eat those fries, buddy. Don't you worry about it. I love you. Um, but all kidding aside, I mean, going back to the, it, it's, and I see people posting in the comments, like, can you have it both ways? How do you do this? And how do you do that? We get back to what Darren was kind of talking about and going around it a little bit with the current system that we have is not the system we will have in the future. And we need to be okay with that. I think, and I'm not talking about age groups, our generation of Mason, the Mason that has been around for this period of time, we're kind of sort of around the same age. We're accepting of that. But those that came in at a time of plenty, you know, during the golden age of fraternalism and when every single soldier on earth soldier and airman and sailor joined freemason because they wanted the camaraderie right and you know going back to jason's comment of we were the only game in town that's not true during the golden age of fraternalism there were 90 freaking bodies you know and you had something to do every night of the week we were just the one that survived you know but now we're dealing with that weight and that pressure of that being the only one yeah but um i mean we're dealing with that weight and and Again, it sounds like we're complaining, but we're not. It's that's going to work itself out. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be a smooth transition. There is no looking to the future because it's just a kick the can kind of mentality. And, and we're set up to be that way, right? It's, it's, I'm going to worry about crap in my year and my year only, and I'm going to put my blinders on and the next guy can deal with it. Well, come 2030, 39, that's going to stop, right? So Grand Lodges are going to be forced. Now, I don't know. I don't know if, if Darren's right, if they're just going to start merging. That's probably going to be contentious. And, you know, that's going to be less lapel pins and less shiny things. So people are going to fight that out. Right. So but what I think is going to happen, maybe maybe Grand Lodges merge and then, you know, that happens. But what I envision happening is a more decentralized Freemasonry in the future. You're going to have lodges that because we do Masonry at the lodge level, right? Masonry doesn't right. The Grand Lodge level. It doesn't. You pay bills and you ask for more money. That's what happens at a Grand Lodge level. You make Masons at a Lodge level, and that's where you teach people how to be Masons and give them a value proposition to want to come next month. That happens at the Lodge level. So maybe if we start strengthening our Lodges, we'll have more strong Lodges to not bolster the Grand Lodge, but to just do more Freemasonry. And I'm okay with that. I am so okay with that. I'm going to go back to French fries. <laughs> I I agree completely, uh, but you know, unfortunately, now part of the the 
structure is that you have a lodge that is in place, but it's in a Masonic district who has a, an officer overseeing that district who has a, a part of an area that oversees, uh, that has a manager, that leader, etc., that uh, oversees that area. And then that area reports to the, the grand master. And we have this, we have this just, just this bureaucratic structure that, again, I think needs to your point be decentralized and be more focused on the individual lodges themselves and not have so much. I mean, why should we have middle management between a lodge and, and the grand lodge? Yeah. I mean, you can send an email just as fast now. Right. So that's a good point. What would you say you do here? I mean, you know, <laughs> See, maybe that's the question we should I ask. Take the budget numbers and the membership numbers from the worshipful master, and I give right. them to the committee on membership. Oh, man, you well, know, not me. My my secretary does that. But I never thought the Bobs would actually have the best advice for Freemasonry. You know? I love it. <laughs> I think I actually wrote an article about the Bobs for the Midnight Freemasons. Uh, I'll have to dig that out. But I think it was entitled "What What would What do you say you do here?" That's awesome. I love that. Well, honestly, that's exactly it. It's because true. just exactly as you described, you know, I've done I've done both leadership roles in appended bodies and in invitational bodies and then i've done the lodge level work right and i can tell you it's much more enjoyable in those invitational bodies because you have a clear objective you mm -hmm. know who's in charge and you know they're not going to bother you because literally you're one in the state and they're not going to visit your state very often and as long as you're following the rules, they don't care. There. Right? You know, there we go. I love that. So that's that's getting around to that autonomy yeah. piece, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because I had I had six different bosses. I kid you not in six? that because six, six, Bob, six, uh, because, you know, I had to deal with the guys who are the monitors who would be there to look at your ritual work. I had another guy who would be the. You know, you'd have the grand secretary who'd bother oh, the secretary who talked to the secretary to talk to me. You know, and that just makes me practice area. masonry just enough to not get expelled. <laughs> oh my gosh! You, you know, you can literally rewrite the whole movie just, for masonry just enough not to get NPD. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Someone feed that through ChatGPT. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Oh my god! Well, and that's just it. I mean, I loved doing the leadership stuff for invitational bodies because I knew exactly what the expectation was. I didn't have anybody sitting over my shoulder every freaking second, right? And so that's why I worry sometimes when I see certain invitational bodies start to add that level of of bureaucracy. It's like, D -d 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 do you not understand? You are wonderful without it because you don't have it. So mm -hmm. don't add it. Let's uh, less leadership in the middle, right? I, yeah. I want to point out Oscar's Oscar's point about decentralization not being as simple as, as being stated. The business of a grand body is different from the local level. However, despite the misplaced bureaucracy, I agree completely. But uh, I also think that we should be looking at the structure of 
the grand level and, and looking to see again, where we can make improvements or make it more, more lean. And yeah, it's going to be painful for some people. They're going to be out of, uh, out of a job, you know, they're not going to have a fancy title anymore or, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I guess the question I have to ask is why, why are you a Freemason? Are you a Freemason because of the titles? Or are you a Freemason because you believe in what Freemasonry is as a philosophy? The titles. Titles. I'm here for the titles. All right. Yeah. And that's, and and that's, that's the problem. Boom. <laughs> there. I'm there. I like to always know that I'm in the past. That's, that's why I carry that title. Always in the past. <laughs> no, I mean, to, uh, I, I mean, Oscar on fire tonight. Loving you, brother Oscar. Um, and we just saw him in a good way. Um, yes, yes. You're on fire in a good way. Um, no, I mean, his, his point is very accurate, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and it sounds like I'm whining again, the bureaucracy that Freemasonry has is so different than the type of bureaucracy that, that kind of got lean on its own you know, in the 80s, 90s and 2000s, right? Like in the business world, it's so different, right? Because it's so steeped in tradition to Darren's point. Um, Change is so impossible there because again, you've got this thing that you have to prop up no matter how few members you have and how little news you're bringing in. It just has to, it has to keep happening, right? So you're contending with that versus how do I keep the lights on? You know, it's it's such a weird dichotomy that I don't have the the answer for it. but it's just, I always think about that when, when, you know, people complain about the bureaucracy of things and it just in Freemasonry in general, it's just so overburdened by the tradition of wanting to keep it going, no matter what, you know, we've always done it that way. And, you know, and the thing is too, is like, I could tell you again, I'll, I'll use odd fellowship because it's been a fascinating experience to see the differences between the two. Cause they are almost identical as an organization, right. In structure and everything. But it's interesting is when they got to a certain level of membership numbers, you know, we have no, in Minnesota, I don't think we have any district deputy grandmasters in Minnesota. Literally, the Grand Lodge officers are expected to show up and help the lodges whenever they can. So, literally, the activity level from the Grand Lodge is a is a model of service because they see, they understand the precipice they are standing upon. Something that masonry, again, is lacking because they are not looking for it. You yeah, know, I'm. I'm also an odd fellow, Nick, and I'm actually a member of the lodge that Ainsley from Three Links Podcast is, uh, is, um, uh, I'm not an active member or as active as I should be. Uh, maybe after this episode, this will change, but, um, you're focusing on what you value. That's okay. Right. Uh, but, but in, in any case, uh, I, I would say, yeah, I agree that their Grand Lodge is much more open to ideas because, quite frankly, they're at that point where they need to be open to ideas. And so I guess what I'm trying to harp on here is that when we're talking about leadership, what I'm asking for is a vision of leadership where we have leadership that is transparent and open to ideas and and open to you know trying different things instead of 
the, you know, to your point, we've always done it this way mentality. Uh, we, we absolutely now are, are standing before the precipice that, that you're talking about, Nick. And, and I quite frankly see that, uh, you know, to your point, uh, Oddfellows allowing women um, to join their lodges in the early 2000s, uh, but they always had a, you know, women lodge structure better, I would say, than Freemasonry. You know, we had OES, they had the Rebecca's, which, you know, now essentially uh, a man can be a Rebecca and a, a woman can be an Oddfellow, and it's a, a beautiful thing. And and the one thing that, that impresses me the most about my Oddfellow Lodge um, in Little Tuscola, Illinois, uh, is that uh, that there is just that idea of servant leadership and there are no egos whatsoever because they just are about doing the, the work that they want to do. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. I love, I love servant leadership up, down, left and right, because it, it is much different than the command and control military type of leadership that again is is a little outdated for uh the kinder gentler organizational leadership that we have today well, and like really the summary hierarchical right yeah it's yeah, it's i wouldn't ask anybody to do anything that i wouldn't do myself and i come last it's bringing everybody up so that they surpass you right a rising tide right lifts all boats right mm -hmm. so it's whatever little catchphrase you want to say like it's all about making others more awesome so that we are, we are all awesome together and we, we will all grow. And that's, that's a completely different structure. I mean, it's just, again, we could talk purely about sermon leadership for a whole other episode. And, but I mean, that's, I that's like the punchline, right? I think we have, but that's the punchline. That's, that's what we need as a solution going Speaking forward. Speaking of servant leadership, that's yes. servant leader. Brother Oscar, brother Oscar, right. from the chat to seems, the screen. To reality, that's I love it. And, and the sad part of this, I am not wearing a bow tie, so it's probably going to crash. We me can't tell if you keep it. Yeah, yeah just right there. We don't know. Well, that guy's that guy's wearing a bow tie. So nice. there <laughs> greetings. So, greetings. So you've been you've been fantastic uh, sharing your opinion. <laughs> what else do you want to add? Because uh, you, you've been there. You've done that. You've been in Grand Lodge leadership positions. I've tell, been in Grand me. Lodge. I've been accused of a lot of things as well. Of, That's a good thing. Um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's really, um, you know, I, I, I posted, I'm not sure if it got in before I joined, um, just on the on the vein around the concept of Grand Lodge. And I, I it's a lot of text, but. I really found it to be one of the most beautiful ways to explain the symbiosis between what should happen at a large level and what should happen at a grand large level. And I use the term symbiosis for a reason, right? Because we've, we've constantly been in this, this introduction of it's us versus them or them versus us or, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you the horror stories of people saying, oh, yeah, we're all being level, but you're not on my level. Like, did you actually just say that? You know, so the irony is that when we reform and look at what the true nature of this thing that we're supposed to be in, and I'll get to the leadership in a second, the true nature of, of, of what we're supposed to have, this it's a symbiosis. One is connected to the other. 
and not necessarily that you have one or the other, right? Um, and I think it's helpful when we start to think about that fundamentally, um, because I can tell you that there, there are guys who are masters of lodges that have no idea that they are Grand Lodge. Like right. They, they are Grand Lodge. And we've seen examples of when the delegates realize that they formed the Grand Lodge. And in essence, when Grand Lodge is in session, that they comprise that legislative governing body. They can change their rules if they want to. They can enact rules. It's not one guy in charge of everything. Uh, and I think uh, going back to this concept or the, the, the structures on leadership, um, you know, I, and I, I'll be honest, I have moved from the concept of servant leadership to to focusing on the concept of transformational leadership. And I, the reason why I say that is oftentimes they say servant leaders are the ones that, of course, they help try to solve problems. Transformational leaders try to help others be the problem solvers, right? You, you, you don't look at your legacy based on what you've done, but how you've helped others to be able to surpass what you've done and given that opportunity to lift the collective boat and the collective ceiling, whatever, whatever analogy that you, um, you, you want to deal with. And at the same time, understand how to deal with tremendous challenges, right? Not everything is sweet in Freemasonry, as we've seen. Um, and there are people who, are not built for times of challenges, if, if you understand what I'm saying, sure. um, and, and treat things in a quote unquote Masonic way, meaning, well, this is how, this is how we form it from the Masonic Lodge concept, um, concept and not from the perspective of, not say business from a lens of transaction, but business in the sense of, as you all have talked about, if there are resources there that you can do this, if there are skills, if there are certain operating procedures that you know how to conduct a meeting, how to, you know, uh, or publicly discuss and internally, you know, um, develop, these are things that are not germane to Freemasonry, but there is a organizational transformation. Totally. Well, here's the here's the rub, and I'm so glad that you joined, Brother Oscar. Um, I'll shut up now. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm about to hit you with a question. So, and and I wanted to I wanted your honest answer on this. So, and you've been in Grand Lodge leadership, and <clears throat> I would say you're a reasonably well traveled individual. <clears throat> Just a little bit. The problem that I have with some of the answers is. Freemasonry is still, especially in this country, right? If we leave, if we leave continental Freemasonry, it's a whole different boat, right? The UK is different. Europe is different. They're, they're doing their own thing and they're happy, right? We have the big problem here in continental Freemasonry where jurisdictionally it's so different that a lot of the leadership things that you're talking about absolutely don't work in other jurisdictions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, like we saw what happened in Texas, right? Like the, the constituency, the grand lodge, the people in the grand lodge, made a decision and their laws allowed them to do that. Uh -huh. There are some jurisdictions where you can't do that, right? It's very oligarchical. It's very top heavy. And, and, you know, the little guy, the John doesn't have a say, right? So, <laughs> you know, like how do we take that concept of leadership and apply it across the board where it works for everybody, knowing that some jurisdictions aren't really set up to allow the, the, the masses to rise up and, drive the organization forward so forgive me for saying it this way because you're going to give a very very um you're going to give a reaction um i go back to education and when i say education education and what it means to be 
a member of the lodge, what it means to be a voting delegate, what it means, what your powers, what your, 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 your rules and regulations and not it's not sexy for people right no one wants to join freemasonry to go read a book of constitutions that's this big you know but at the same token if in, in any Nick probably did in every yeah, in every well, yeah um, let me rephrase most people don't but in <laughs> any in any given you know um, group order whatever you've named it you want to be a you want to be a um a, a real car or I should say a a, a um a model car developer, you're going to, you're going to figure out the rules of that. You're not just going to fly by the seat of the pants. You're going to find out what are the parameters that exist and immerse yourself in them so that you can be best informed. And I, I say it in a way because I, you know, the, the vernacular of when I asked the question earlier about, do the masses actually prefer the status quo? There are some who would say people want to remain part of the expression, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and not have to worry about any of this existential, exoteric, or the other pieces, piece, right? And and the problem with that is it's easy to say, let's just stick our heads in the sand and not be aware of it. Or, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time to learn this information. uh, Or, you know, how do I, you know, I'm powerless. No one is really powerless, as we've seen, right? Yeah, even recently. Mm -hmm. and, And even, but it's, 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 it's not something that has just happened, right? right. The, the, way our, the way our country formed was not by people sitting by the wayside, right? The, <laughs> the systems of, of revolution, and I say this very politely, because it's not necessarily revolution, but an evolution that we really are focused on. But the systems of all of the stories we've seen, even our early forefathers, even throughout Freemasonry, those who have been movers and shakers, Part of the expression have been in the younger demographic consistently, not as a negative connotation of of a generational divide, but it's illustrative of we have seen historically in our organization, these ebbs and flows, these thought leadership and these action oriented um, uh, devices that allow us to shape and move in a way that's hopefully forward leaning, forward thinking and nothing to a politics, just the simple action and reaction. So I say education for several reasons, because you have to know what you're getting into to know where it is you're trying to reach, where it is you're trying to go, what is it trying yeah. to accomplish? What are the mission, the aims of the fraternity? No, I, the mission? I'm sorry. Yep. I li- no, I like, I like how you said that, because that's one thing that I try to do as a change agent uh, in the organizations that I do for my vocation is I take the approach of like know your enemy better than yourself. Like you should know all the rules. You should know your grand lodges, you know, laws. You should know how things get done so that when you want to make the change, you know what's legal, what's allowed, how to navigate and how to not break the rules, how to but how to bend the rules, right? How to make change happen. Because if you can't just go in blind, to yeah. your point, you yeah. gotta you gotta do your homework and make sure that you don't get lost in the bureaucracy. Don't get lost in becoming one of those who's just stuck in the old way of, of, of managing that bureaucracy, right? You want to, you want to know it so that you can bend it to your will. It's like the whole matrix thing, right? Like you gotta, you gotta be able to shape, to bend the code to your rules. Tell me you've read the far without telling me you've read the far. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you remind me, um, taking it outside of Freemasonry, even my collegiate fraternity, I remember the founders of my collegiate fraternity telling me that they were so adamant of, of having a right to be on campus and to do the things that they were doing. They walked into their first um, Panahel meeting and they had never studied or had no idea about the rules, the robber rules of order. So they got shut down every time they opened their mouth because they yeah. didn't know the process. Right. Same thing. You want to you want to do something in government. Right. You got to know the process for how to submit a bill, how to you know, how to how to enact change, how to develop policy, how to write a constitutional change. These are things that we have to make ourselves aware of because we can't just pardon the expect We can't just rage against the machine if we don't know how to fix the machine or how to maneuver the, the elements that are necessary to get us in the direction we want to go. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, go ahead, Darren. I was going to say, uh, Oscar's absolutely right, and and I I think you know if if, if the first thing that, that that people are asking, you know, what what is our what's our vision or what 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 advice could could we give would be to be familiar with your constitution bylaws, read it backwards and forwards, and know know the rules of of your grand lodge, and then. If you want to make change, change isn't going to happen immediately. You can't just throw together uh, legislation and expect it to pass. There's a lot of politicking that would need to happen. You have to get allies on your side, others that believe in your vision, and you take that vision and you grow it, and then you get a groundswell of movement behind it. And then with that groundswell when you finally introduce it as legislature you may have an opportunity to get it to pass but it's not something that you can just say oh i want to make change i'm going to submit legislation and and this is going to be it no you're gonna there's a lot of organization there's a lot of things that would need to happen for that to happen but i'm not saying it's impossible but it's going to require work and you know some people don't have time for that Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. not why I came here. Sure. I, right. I, I came here to enjoy the fellowship. I came here to be wrong. I didn't come here for that. And that's that's the existential crisis that we have to navigate because not everyone's going to fit into that same box. So how do you collectively deal with the needs of the all while at the same time preserving that? that individual, um, you know, goal, that aim, that, that excitement, that electricity that connects the individual to the organization, which is what we have as a, from, as a Masonic entity. So, well, and I, I'm going to sound like a, so, so, <laughs> uh, although I am a lawyer, I don't actually practice. So I, I don't ruin anybody's lives except in the fraternity. And oh, I can, tell you, and oh, I can tell you, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing that I do, which is, I do know the code far too well, right? And I've used it on several occasions as kind of a smackdown. And it's a terrible thing to do because I think sometimes, especially with our leaders, our, our, our rules are so dense and so complicated. And, and I can tell you the Minnesota code is actually one of the shorter ones. And even then, I would say sometimes it's trying to legislate so many things that could be handled outside of itself because it's not a function that needs to be done. And that, of course, is something that needs to be changed institutionally, right? That's something else. But I think in so many ways, a lodge 
is both a structure that has to be structured, right? I mean, we literally in our ritual discuss it as a as a very structured place. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a certain level of flexibility that has mm-hmm. to occur. Mm-hmm. And a lot of leaders, just like you're saying, Oscar, don't have time. I mean, they they don't have time or or more more accurately inclination, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. learn these rules. And I think sometimes Sometimes maybe not a leadership training and maybe not a the us versus them because I, I can tell you I I've been on the I've been on the side of fighting raging against the machine. I have done it and I enjoy it sometimes because you know that's why <laughs> you go to law school is to be a butthead, right? I mean that's that's <laughs> the point of the place, right? I mean they teach you that. But <laughs> you know, it I think sometimes we do need to help the leaders understand that they they are just to your point the grand lodge right in minnesota the the grand lodge is certain grand lodge officers and the masters and wardens of the lodges and and you know i think that does not get impressed upon people until their installation as master that there are rules that need to be abided by and read but sometimes it's because they're looking at it and going this is a very dense document that is not being explained and i i don't even want to be on my condo uh board so why am i doing this right (laughs) so it's you know yeah but at the same time like we are are in a position in this organization where where we saw this exact same thing play out with texas uh, you know last month um the the you know constituency and the membership knew the code backwards and forwards and they were able to you know check you know some of the things that were happening and and enact change but do it in a way that was constitutionally sound and that's how you have to enact change in an organization right. structure yep. like this. Absolutely. And, and to your point, right? It's different everywhere. Um, <laughs> I laugh because uh, if any of you have ever been able to visit a grand session, Grand Lodge in New York, you will see how, um, and I've had brothers from Pennsylvania come over. It's like, we would never do that. It's like, well, we're New York, right? We um, uh, we respect, but we, we, we let you know how it feels. And we've had scenarios where things get challenged that, you know, just because someone's said this that doesn't mean that that's the case and at the end of it the brothers are the ones who decide at the end of the day and that's what they are that's what they're rolling with um and to the point around even the perspectives on leadership and uh, earlier on when i when i joined on the tax piece on the on the uh, chat function you know i i talked about the definition of leadership because that's very important to understand and it means different things to different people um how many of you have been worshipful masters and all of a sudden you're not just responsible for the opening and closing the ritual delivery the uh, trust board but you are now responsible for answering to personal issues from the membership, right? You become a social worker, you become a mental health practitioner, you become uh, <laughs> a tax attorney. You, you find out your lodge owns the cemetery. <laughs> you, know, you know, you're thrown in such a, in most, if not all the times, you're not prepared for all of that because that's not what you signed up for. That's not your vocation. That's not what you have the, 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 the biggest adhesion to. But these are the elements that we unfortunately place on that person. And I would say incorrectly, right? 
totally incorrectly. And we see it be, being amplified the further along. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you that when I became, when I became, when I got into the Grand Lodge, you know, I was like, okay, I'm still Brother Oscar. Yes, I got elected to this position, but I don't have to wear these, 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 um, and those of you who have seen these cuffs and apron everywhere. Like not everyone wears cuffs, but it's like, no, Oscar, you got elected to position. You have to, you know, they elect you. You must wear this. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, not every day. Right. Like, I don't going to fire me if I don't, you know, but, right. but it's, it's part of, it's part of the respect. It's part, you know, it, it's fed. What I was problematic, what I had most problematic is of how people looked at you. I ceased being brother Oscar's. Oh, right. Worshipful, right. Worshipful, right. Worshipful. It's like, Hey guys, I'm still brother Oscar. When I'm in the lodge room, same thing when you're worshipful master, when I'm in the lodge room, yes, I'm worshipful master. But outside of that, yes, I get the respect, the camaraderie, but we sometimes amplify things a little bit more than they should. And it feeds into that subconscious ego yeah. that unfortunately poisons our human nature. Well, I mean, say, that, that, yeah, go ahead. That's it, right? You, you just, you just, that's what we should have named the show, right? Ego driven leadership that, which has been kind of the model that we've been taught, right? Like, you know, I came into masonry at a certain time. You all did in your own times, right? But what did you see when you first got in? It's like, oh, the guy with the cuffs. He's the guy we got to, you know, be super Past nice. masters we were like, we oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Don't talk to them if they're grumpy looking, you know, like, or if they're not napping, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, that's we're, we're kind of taught this ego-based respect system. Um, which is really dichotomous with the whole we're on the level thing, right? Um, you know, There's so, so many of them. Yeah, it's it's just I find it so striking that, and again, it, it, Oscar, to your point, you're you're 100 right, and I hate disagreeing with you. I mean, I just look at please, you have to. I'm, on I'm going to. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's going back to the it's so jurisdictional thing. Like I'm, yes, I pay a lot of dues and my wife isn't asleep by now. So she, she doesn't know how many dues I pay. I pay a lot. I'm a member of many jurisdictions, but in that joining many different jurisdictions, you saw the different ways that they do business. Right. And for me, I think of, and I'm not going to name the jurisdiction, but I look at a jurisdiction that I'm involved with that is the complete opposite of how Texas operates, right? Where every single past master or person who held a position has a vote. They have a damn Scortron, you know, in the middle of the thing that's counting numbers and people are electronically voting. And, you know, you see numbers pop up and you can tell, holy crap, versus it's converse where you have a bunch of dudes, not everybody who you think gets a vote would get a vote and they hold up these little paper cards and it's kind of wishy-washy how the numbers roll out, right? You see a bunch of red cards pop up for no, and then you got a guy up top saying, oh yeah, that passed. And everybody's turning their head like, what the hell just happened? Like, they're so different, these systems. My, my question is, how do we fix all of it across the board, right? Instead of one jurisdiction at a time, right? Was revolution so, or evolution, right? So my challenge, evolution or revolution. And the question becomes, is the task or the aim to do everything at once? That's fair. Yeah. Right? What what are and I'm not saying what are the winnable battles or what's the lower hanging fruit? I'm not using any of those terms, just specifically what is accomplishable? By twenty forty. Mm-hmm. By twenty forty. Well, and, <laughs> and how can we increase interjurisdictional transference of best practices and lessons learned? Because we don't have to figure out everything ourselves. Correct. 
But Jason, my industry has been around since time immemorial. And, you know, what that means is you can't change anything. So my grandma who, just over the time and who's memorial. Yeah. <laughs> so, All let right, me, so let me ask. I'm sorry, John. Go ahead, jump uh, in just there. A, then, a quick then question. Yeah, quick question for Oscar. Uh, just how do we uh, break through the group think that grand lines seem to have? I mean, uh, in in many jurisdictions and many appended bodies, I feel that that you have a leadership that has that has a group think. There's zero transparency and often zero vision. So how 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 do we how do how does the average member um, you know, if personally, it keeps me up at night and I'm not, I guess I'm the abnormal member, but, um, how, how, how can we, how can we really affect change? Mm -hmm. You're not going to like my answer. That we can't. Okay. Let me come up here. So the reason I say you're not going to like my answer, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's literally the only way you could operationalize it. Right. You have to be the change. And when I say be the change, not not only you as an individual, what I tell brothers, you know, brothers that uh, that I've that I've come across and like, oh, um, you know, I can never make it into Grand Lodge or they oh, I hear it's expensive. I hear it's this and that. And little no, there's budgets, all this other stuff. You know, people get deterred from being that thinking that they can be able to be impactful or they can make be the change. The goal is to be persevere, to persevere, to have perseverance. And the perseverance is also going to need, I'll say it this way, you need a pool. So in order to fight groupthink, in order to impart change, you need more individuals who are in that eligible category to be pulled from that pool. And those eligible, those eligible individuals need to come from all walks of life, all areas, because uh, essentially you have to grow that thought process so that everyone gets it. Do you follow well, what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you I, desensitize yeah. people to analysis of alternatives in differing points of view. And by by expanding that pool, by training, going back to transformational leadership, by training as many as possible to know, not telling them how you should think, but mm -hmm. to know how they can right. improve, how they can set a vision. Now, when, whenever I talk to brothers in the lodge or I do an installation in the lodge, I always, I, I always make this joke, and this is not even a joke, it's serious. I say to the worship master, you are now responsible um, as uh, the, you know, as far as having the custodial relationship for this lodge. Now, the irony, the same language that we use is the first kind of appointed position within the lodge where that first brother is the custodian of trying to accomplish things within the lot. So you be, you know, soup to nuts. You, you just, you, you started at the end and you're beginning at the beginning, right? So the irony in all of that is if we get people uh, the opportunity to understand that they too can be part, they too can elevate their mindset, they too can be the change, that then improves the quality that we begin to see being eligible and 
able to participate actively in your Grand Lodge and in your district and in your lodges. Love it. So and, that's why I mean you're not going to like my answer. Yeah. Well, I think I think because it's, it's work. I think, well, I think it's idealistic because I think that, uh, you know, part of the bureaucracy that is in place is to continue to stack the deck with guys that are yeah. the same mentality as the leaders that are in place. Not so, impossible, but hard. But here's, here's why, here's where I would differ in saying the, it is idealistic. It is not, I, I'm a pragmatic, pragmatic optimist. I'll probably is a better way of saying All it. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nick likes that one. Um, but why I say pragmatic optimist is a sense of, I'll use myself as an example. For years, I was looking around, seeing, you know, the history and the, the, the pantheon of my Grand Lodge. And I mm. said, well, why, why is such and such? Why, why don't we see? Why blah, blah, blah. And guys like, oh, we don't have people eligible. There are guys there, but they're not eligible. I'm like, but there's guys here and this. And, and like, hmm. So I took it on myself to say, I want to see the change. So I need to be the change. Mm-hmm. So I ran. Gotcha. When I ran, the stories I can tell you of what was said about me, what was said to me, what was put in my, in the obstacles put in the way would have deterred the simplest individual, but I had to persevere. Mm-hmm. I was told some horrendous things. I was, I was asked horrendous things. Things were said about me that were horrendous by brothers. But I wasn't doing it for Oscar. I was say, I, my, my process of thinking was, if they can stop me, they can stop anyone. Yeah. So it is That's my true. duty to make sure I don't, I am doing this not for myself, but for those who come behind me. Going back to the point, the pragmatic optimist. Well, because that, that's future oriented. Yeah. It's and that's future that's really, oriented. That's really about changing the failure, failure of Masonic leadership. And if others Thank see you that, that. You're, they're able to do it as well, mm-hmm. they are going to be less, less deterred and they'll become more enthusiastic. Right. So exactly. be the sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it's not ideal. It's well, technically, it's not idealistic for the person being the sacrificial lamb. But right. if some of you go back to this TED talk that I always use in, in my work in my work conversations, it's an old TED talk about. And once again, I, I recognize the term revolution versus evolution, but it always says the guy who starts the movement is not the first guy; it's the second guy who follows him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yep. And that's a powerful thing. Because you're basically sacrificing that first guy, but the second guy that follows is the one that people recognize and say, yes, we're going to make this movement happen. I love it. So that's a great place to do our wrap ups for tonight. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with all the guest hosts and basically ask for one solution. Right. So we've talked about a whole spectrum of characteristics, qualities, improvements. And so end with with one. And uh, brevity. Maribel, put it in the chat. Yeah, there you go, Maribel. Hop in there too. Uh, let's start with Nick Johnson. Well, I, I think you know. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to uh, uh, jump on again. My my one thought. I think. I think it's exactly correct that the egoism can really eat away at how masonry functions uh you know it's that whole throw uh, men lead uh, lives of quiet desperation and really i do sometimes think that we need to be a little bit more 
picky with the leaders that we actually are putting in. Um, I do think that there is a, a danger when we just continue to move people forward without any kind of thought or uh, without them actually feeling like they have all the tools they need. So that's, that's really, I, I, I really do think that, you know, we have a lot of guys in, in Freemasonry that are, are wonderful. That would be wonderful leaders. Um, but I think ultimately we just have to be picky on the ones we don't want. And then hopefully the ones we do want will actually uh, remain and uh, rise to the top. So again, oh, and I, should I give my plugs for oh, the plugs. blog that one of these days, <laughs> I've said this now for ah, too many years, uh, that I will put up a post. I don't know what it's going to be. It might be three words that say, here is post. I won't even put eh. Um, but at millennialfreemason.com. Uh, and uh, I want to thank all of you for letting me on. Fantastic 10 years. You guys are uh, really doing awesome. So I just want to say fantastic. And thank you for letting me be here. You're a part of that legacy, man. Nice. All right. Uh, Brother Darren. Educate yourself. Read your constitution bylaws. Read as much as you can read about your Grand Lodge, its history, where it comes from, and then be not afraid to ask questions or uh, demand um, accountability and transparency from your current leadership. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Congrats on 10 years. Uh, awesome achievement and uh, glad to, to know you, gentlemen. Likewise. See you in 10. Even me. Even you, Joe. Thank you. Brother Oscar. All right. So here's where I will um, constantly confound. Um, I'm going to use, as some of you know, I'm an epidemiologist, so I like numbers as much as the next guy. Um, but I'm going to say my answer is in the form of a formula, which I um, just put into the chat, right? So my end in thought is in the form of a solution to help us solve this question of leadership. It is Y minus E plus H plus S plus C minus TM plus FC. Y minus E is U minus the ego mm -hmm. plus H for humility plus S for strategy plus C for culture minus TM time spent managing plus FC meaning followers commitment equals that leadership that you need to be successful well I, i'm going to chew on that for another two hours so that's <laughs> that's great but I, I saw a lot of head nods from the rest of the host so yes um that's an excellent summary mathematically even of i think really the true leadership opportunity we have ahead of us so thank you brother oscar for coming on uh, thanks you for coming on at the last minute because uh we, we love hearing everything you have to say. Let's go to Joseph. 
Yeah, how the hell do I top a uh, I know, right? mathematical formula? I got one. Okay, ready? Here it comes. And I'm going to share it on the screen. This is the solution <laughs> to everything. Okay? 2B1, ask one. No. Um, well, as the newest and youngest host, uh, it was awesome seeing, you know, the, the OG generation like Nick. And um, sorry we didn't get to see RJ and our other previous hosts. Love y'all. Um I started out here as a fan. Um, so I started listening 10 years ago and well, actually, yeah, listening in my car 10 years ago. So I am super, super jazzed to be a part of this. This is freaking awesome. And thank you for allowing me to use expletives as much as I have. Um, you let me be me and that's, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, so the answer is, um, as much as I want to disagree with Oscar, I'm going to agree with him here and, um, and say, yeah, it's, um, I think what's going to come down to is a collective shedding of egos, right? Is when we can start to put all that aside as an organization, not as individuals, right? Because that's what Freemasonry is, is learning how to kill your ego and be a little bit of a brighter spark in your world each and every day, right? But if we can collectively do that as an organization, we'll get to the place where we need to be. You know, I'm not worried about Freemasonry 16 years from now. I'm really not. I think it's going to be awesome. Whatever form it takes, I'm going to be all in it. I'm going to be older. I still won't have any hair, but I'll be in it to win it. And, um, you know, I am jazzed to see the changes that are coming. But I think, again, a little bit of ego death as an organization is will help pave the way to allow some of those changes to to happen more organically than to you know, be that evolution versus that revolution that's painful and it costs blood and tears, um, which which we don't want to see. But um, yeah, that's my answer. This has been an awesome show. I'm super jazzed uh, to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, I'm blessed to call you all my brothers and friends. Nice. So mandatory ego death with lapel pins. With lapel pins. Nice. Brother Jason. Two things. I know you said one. I'm going to go with two because I can um, hearkening back to something Oscar said a little while ago, don't try to change everything at once. Pick, pick those areas that personally, professionally fuel you and drive you. Maybe that is education. Maybe that is membership statistics and retention. Maybe that is mentorship and relationship building like our good friend Chad Kapinski maybe maybe that is organizational transformation or maybe it's being that leader that can cultivate a followership behind you um the second thing is don't stop trying for whatever you end up you know choosing you can you can pivot go to other things you know, what, what might be a hot button topic for you now may very well not be in the next, you know, 24 or 48 months, but persevere and also, you know, scale it down to something that's achievable. And because small incremental evolutionary, evolutionary, sustainable changes are the things that are going to change the course of the organization nice love it thank you very much 
And I guess for my final thoughts, accountability, I'll go back to that. And I'm going to put a little twist on it. Uh, accountability, not just for our leaders and, and holding them accountable for the decisions they make or don't make and make sure that we, we vote with our, with our feet, right? We go to the things and we support the things that uh, we believe to be right, but also accountability for yourself and which gets to the point of being the change, right? Hold yourself accountable in what you want to see in masonry. If we uh, just change, what is that? Uh, so that's, I think that's the only way that we're going to move forward are through those baby steps of holding each other accountable to what we say we want and not uh, stick to the status quo just because it's the way we've always done things. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching. Happy 10 years and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow. Be the change. Because Oscar's oh, Be the change. Ten years. Holy cow. Pew, 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 pew.